big topic in Pittsburgh today is Chris Archer, who got his ass kicked again. Archer's ERA is a power to 6.45. The rest of the rotation's ERA since the Pirates got Archer is 2.66. So, if you want a scapegoat for the Pirates' collapse this month, beyond the lack of hitting by the meat of the order guys, namely Polanco, Marte, and Bell, well, I guess Chris Archer is that scapegoat. There are some worrying signs for the long term with Archer. Dating back to opening day 2016, Archer's ERA is 4.20. Not good. People thought Archer's performance would escalate once he joined the Pirates because there's no DH in the National League and he'd be out of the AL East. He wouldn't have to pitch to the Yankees and Red Sox anymore. But so far, it certainly hasn't worked out that way. That doesn't mean it's a bad trade. I'd still make that trade right now after all that's happened. But Archer's got to figure something out because it looked like Milwaukee was taking friggin' batting practice. This is the Mark Madden Show. Guardiola, Guardiola. We're topping, they don't like it. The Reds are taking over. Guardiola, Guardiola. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you could join me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. Would you still make the Archer trade? Because, again, I would. And the Pirates had to. You not only got a good pitcher, a potential top-of-the-rotation starter, a guy who has been exactly that in the past, and also it was a show of good faith. Although all that good faith didn't exactly fill the ballpark. It was players' weekend in MLB because of the Little League World Series, I guess. The players wore their nicknames on the back of their jerseys. It's stupid. Like with Mookie Betts. Mookie is his nickname, so he put Mookie on the back of his jersey, and people complained. Oh, where's his nickname? What, you think his mom and dad named him Mookie? That is his nickname. And Elias Diaz of the Pirates have El Maracucho on his jersey. No one has ever called Elias Diaz El Maracucho. Not once, not ever. And Richard Rodriguez is Pero Flacco, which means skinny dog. And they used that on TV in the graphic when he was warming up in the bullpen. And I'm like, who the frig is Pero Flacco? Because that's what the graphic said. Warming up in the Pirates bullpen, Pero Flacco. Um, who the heck is that? Can we eschew being cute for the sake of knowing what's going on in the game? Uh, staying with baseball, the onion is tremendous. It's kind of a new era, National Lampoon. And it published the ultimate article about baseball analytics. Allow me to read the lead. Saying the breakthrough would change baseball statistics forever, the Society of American Baseball Research unveiled a new analytics model that measures the precise amount of joy their work sucks from the game. Quote, for years... We've wondered exactly how much fun we drain from baseball, but finally, by combining the models from advanced statistics like OPS+, 
and BABIP, we were able to pinpoint the exact degree to which sabermetrics have turned America's pastime into a miserable experience for casual and diehard fans alike, said statistician and model co-developer Bill James, explaining that the model was capable of calculating a fan's enjoyment down to the third decimal point and measures the minute-by-minute fluctuations as they are bombarded with precise joyless stats like WAR and WRC+. Unquote. Boy, is that right on the money. The analytics makes fans feel foolish if they don't totally embrace them, and now there's no romance to managing the game because a dope like Clint Hurdle is just a puppet for the numbers. Like, I always get told that wins for a pitcher aren't important, and RBIs aren't important for a batter. Okay, but the object is to win, and when a runner is on base, the idea is to drive him in. Analytics in any sport are just a way to know the game without watching the game. Problem is, watching the game is supposed to be the fun part. I have not forgotten about football or the Steelers. In fact, I'm dumbfounded that I've talked about baseball for this long to open the show. The Steelers' defense looked a lot better in the preseason win over Tennessee, and I do mean a lot better. The big difference may be that Cam Hayward played. He's a big catalyst for that defense and makes everybody else so much better. There's one thing I think the Steelers got to do on defense to maximize that unit, and I'll talk about that on the other side of the commercial coming up. Ben was a bit inconsistent, but he's the one guy you don't got to worry about. He's got the experience and the two rings. All he needed was a few snaps and the feel of the ball. Uh, The Steelers made a trade today with Oakland. They got wide receiver Ryan Switzer. He's a white guy. Why would you go out and get a white wide receiver? This ain't New England. Uh, Switzer is a rookie. He played with Dallas last year. Made six receptions. Mostly returned kicks and punts. That's the role he may well take for the Steelers. Might be a slot receiver too. Don't forget Eli Rogers opens the season on IR. Uh, Switzer played 100 offensive snaps as a rookie with uh, Dallas last year. Uh, He played college football at North Carolina, and he ripped Pitt to shreds all the time. So uh, at least when he gets to Heinz Field, he will have a good feeling of having enjoyed some success there. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Got a whole lot to talk uh, about today. Uh, Jamel Hill finally left ESPN. I'll have a lot to say about that later, but the bottom line with Jamel Hill is she failed. She got handed a plum franchise in the ESPN programming grid, the 6 p.m. Sports Center, and in an unabashed effort by her and Michael Smith to make the program woke, she failed. 
Now, if she thought being woke was more important than succeeding, then that's up to her. In fact, she got far more leeway than I would have given her, and they should have given her, but the bottom line is she failed. But like Michelle Beadle, I'm sure she'll fail upward. I'm sure she'll get a good job for good money. Maybe she can, you know, espouse her political viewpoints with with uh, CNN or someplace like that, but uh, I won't watch. I bet you don't either. Kind of like Keith Olbermann. Keith Olbermann left ESPN to go to MSNBC all those years ago. And Keith is a very educated political commentator, which for all I know, Jamel Hill may well turn out to be. But the platform of ESPN gave Keith more notoriety than MSNBC did, so much so it looks like that he wound up eventually coming back to ESPN. Uh, We're going to talk about Pine Richland High School, too. They got beat 42-zip by that football factory from Florida. Uh, I I give uh, Coach Kasparovich and the Pine Richland kids credit for taking on that challenge. I know they're still going to have a great season, uh, have a good chance to defend their Whippeal and State Class 6A championships, but uh, any high school football team that has players from 18 states in Canada ain't a high school football team, period. We got our football guru, Matt Williamson, at the bottom of the hour. We got Mark Cabali from The Athletic. He's lit. He's woke. He's all that. He joins me at 530. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Go ahead. You can say it because it's true. It's damn true. Hey, Mark. Love the show. Thank you for making my day. Yeah. The X at 105.9. Okay, let's get into the Steelers because that game Saturday was encouraging. That Steelers defense looked a lot better. Terrell Edmonds had a pick, and he's showing athleticism. So what the Steelers got to do, what a lot of NFL teams do, the Steelers got to play three safeties. Three safeties. Play one down in the box as a linebacker, but play three safeties. Play Burnett. Edmonds and Davis, either Burnett or Edmonds, is the de facto linebacker. It's easy to do. It's not overcomplicated. That's what the Steelers need to do. Play three safeties and get one of those crappy inside backers off the field. I want your thoughts on that. 412-333-9939 is the number. We'll talk about it with our football guru, Matt Williamson, at the bottom of the hour. But I ask you, has Terrell Edmonds, a rookie, first-round pick, has he done well enough in the preseason to justify a major role and to justify the Steelers using three safeties? What you're really deciding is, who do you want on the field? John Bostick or Terrell Edmonds? For me... That's not even a decision. Terrell Edmonds has more potential, more potential for splash plays to be sure. It's a passing league. He's going to be scads better in coverage than John Bostick. I use three safeties, and one of them would be Terrell Edmonds. The first team defense was real good against Tennessee. Tennessee only averaged 2.3 yards per play against the Steelers' first team defense. 
that is very encouraging. The pass rush kept collapsing Tennessee's pocket. Uh, Saturday was as good as could be hoped for from that defense. Uh, Edmonds had a great pick and then popped up off the turf and got a 30-yard return. I'm just so big on Cam Hayward. Stephon Tewitt was mediocre at Green Bay. Then Hayward plays against Tennessee, and Tewitt's a world beater. That is not coincidence. Uh, James Conner wasn't as good as he was against Green Bay. Conner's okay. That's it. He's the number two back at best now and forever, and the Steelers need to realize that. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster dropped a couple balls, but that's okay because he is lit AF. As long as you're lit AF and having fun, that's what matters most. The hard work, the focus, the the winning secondary to being lit AF. If you're going to be lit, be lit AF. You know what was a weird moment for a preseason game? On the Steelers' first possession, it was 4th and 2 at Tennessee's 42. The Steelers punted when Ben was clearly saying to go for it, and Ben was visibly pissed when Tomlin wouldn't. And Ben should be pissed. That was dumb. The first team offense is going to be in their three series, and three series only in that game Saturday. Work on punt coverage later in the game. I'd go for it there in the regular season. Fourth and two at the other team's 42. I'd go for it in the regular season in the first quarter, tied nothing, nothing, never mind in an exhibition game. That was just dumb. Antonio Brown didn't play. I wonder what's up with that quad injury. Burnett and Hilton didn't play either. That's all precautionary, except when it's not. A.B. is working out at some gym in Wexford with James Harrison and not at the Steeler facility. It's like Harrison is training Brown as opposed to the Steelers training in medical staff. Like I said, weird, not worrisome, and not necessarily objectionable, but weird. I'm sure A.B. is pissed as heck today. No, he's pissed AF. That's how pissed A.B. is. Because Odell Beckham Jr. uh, last hour got a five-year contract extension from the New York football giants. And it's worth a rather tidy sum. Five years, $95 million. $65 million guaranteed. OBJ's making a lot more than AB. A lot more guaranteed, for sure. And he should not. OBJ, he's been in one playoff game. He benefits from that hair and that rep and playing in New York, but he is not a patch on Antonio Brown's ass. But he's making, okay, uh, let me uh, subtract, carry the one up. OBJ is getting $46 million more guaranteed than Antonio Brown. If AB's pissed, that's funny because AB's funny when he's pissed, but I do not blame him at all in this instance. 
Uh, Kabali joins me at 5.30. He wrote a story at TheAthletic.com about the Steelers' final 53-man roster. Picking their final 53 is not very difficult, uh, really no problem at all. The selections are very obvious, and the last four or five spots don't matter. Remember all those wide receivers like, uh, boy, the news cycle's so quick, I forget the guy from Youngstown, Patterson. About how, oh, he might make the team, and maybe he sneaks on the field now and again. Now they got this kid Switzer in a trade, so maybe Patterson sneaks on the practice squad. And, and it doesn't matter because how much is Switzer going to play? Like I said, white wide receiver. Why would you get a white wide receiver? That's kind of a novelty act. That Like someday at street fairs, you'll have the, the bearded lady, the fat man, the elephant man, and the white wide receiver. Ooh, wait. Maybe the white cornerback. I think those are all dead, though. I don't think I, I think they all died out. 412-333-9939. The football talk keeps going. Oh, wait, this just did Ramon Foster return to practice today. He said he feels good about being back for the opener week one at Cleveland. Matt Williamson next, 1059. Only void were prohibited. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. Are you saying that because you know it'll make me make fun of you? Yes, I love you, Mark. But I'll be quite blunt, slap nuts. VX at 105.9. Joining me now, check him out at his website, mattwilliamsonfootball.com. He is a former pro and college football scout. He is our football guru. It's our weekly visit with Matt Williamson. Matt, uh... Last hour, Odell Beckham Jr. got a monster contract extension. Five years, 95 mil, 65 mil guaranteed. If you're Antonio Bryan, how do you feel about those numbers? Yeah, you're happy about it. I mean, AB wasn't doing bad before that, though, and Julio just got a bump. To me, they're the three clear top guys at that position. There's a line underneath the three of them. AB would be one for me. Julio would be two. Odell would be third. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think AB's ready to be talking contract yet, but, um, you know, it's obviously good news, you know, much like Gurley was for Lev Bell. Now, speaking of wide receivers, the Steelers traded for a wideout today, Ryan Switzer from Oakland. What's the front page on him, and what role do you see him assuming here in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I like the move. I'm curious what exactly they gave up, probably conditional stuff, but he is a pure slot guy. He isn't very big. He's more quick than fast. Um, good hands, for sure. Excellent punt returner, and I think that's absolutely critical in this equation. So Antonio won't be the number one, the top punt returner, and they've been kind of searching in that department. Um, pure slot guy, physical, plays with a real nasty edge to him, um, productive at North Carolina. You know, he's from West Virginia. Uh, I like it. I think it's a good fit. He returned a lot of kicks in Dallas as a rookie. Do you think the Steelers will see him in that light? Yeah, I think he's their top punt returner without question. And break in case you know, break glass in case of emergency that Antonio would come out, you know, in a playoff game or in a in a dire situation. But Switzer's excellent at it, and I think that's a key component to this this trade. Why was the Steelers' defense so much better against Tennessee? Uh, what were the main catalysts behind that improvement? 
Um, I, I think the most encouraging thing to me that came out of that game was the Steelers' pass rush, and to it in particular, to it's been up and down. And when he's up, he is as disruptive as just about anyone in the league. And boy, he was up, and he was beating up on those guys in front of him. But it was a collective effort, and they got after Mariota and whoever you know we put a quarterback Gabbert uh, from start to finish. I loved seeing that they controlled the line of scrimmage. And it absolutely was a very impressive performance. And I'm not sure if you could see this on TV or not, but at the game, well, one was obvious, but at the game there was two very big plays left on the field by the Titans, too. And that There was a tight end early, ran right down the seam, untouched, nobody even saw him. Mariota didn't, didn't see him, and Steelers got lucky. And then Mariota missed a, an open receiver deep, too. So he played poorly, and you know the outcome had been a little different, and we might be singing a little different tune if he connects on those two big plays. Well, your point's well made about the pass rush, though, because not only did the Steelers have six sacks, but the pass rush kept collapsing the Tennessee pocket, and, and really more than anything, that's what you're looking for, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the sack numbers are great, but they're not always indicative of how good a pass rush you have. And the Steelers are somewhat of an example of that, too. I mean, they led the league in sacks last year, but they weren't the best pass rushing team in the league. What was encouraging is, of course, to it, but they were getting it from many sources in this game, too. That um, It wasn't all manufactured pressure from blitzes and guys coming free. It was a lot of guys winning one-on-one matchups, and that's what you want to see. I think Cam Hayward makes everybody better, too, Matt. Uh, you mentioned, too, and he was great uh, against Tennessee, but he wasn't so good at Green Bay without Hayward out there. I think when the other team has to deal with Hayward, too, it gets a lot less attention. I agree. I mean, Cam, to me, is clearly the defensive player that stirs the drink. He's the team. When you watch the coach's tape, he's the one that offensive coordinators double the most. He's the one that the opponent is most worried about and game plan accordingly, which tells you all you need to know. Um, in some in some respects, to it is his Robin to the Batman. But he's also more talented, I think, than Cam. I mean, they're both immensely talented. But I do think Tuitt's ceiling is a little higher. Uh, Terrell Edmonds made a few more plays. Is he going to start that? And what about the notion of the Steelers using three safeties, which seems to be a trend. A lot of teams are doing that now, aren't they? They are, and I expect to see. I've been expecting it since day one. I mean, that their their offseason told us that they're going to use you know strong safeties as linebackers. And we just haven't seen much of it. I mean, you see some of it in practice. You haven't seen much of it at all, really, in the games. I wonder if they're saving that for week one. But I absolutely think that Edmonds deserves playing time. Um, so him and Burnett, as well as Davis, I think should be out there plenty together, even against, you know, base part offensive personnel. And that takes Bostic off the field, right? Yes. I think that's absolutely how it should go. But we also some package that was interesting to me. Clearly ran four three. They made to a defensive end with his hand on the ground, and they were out there with Thomas Bostic and Williams. So instead of going with one linebacker in this instance, they went with three, which I, I guess they're calling it their seminal package. Um, just another wrinkle, maybe it's something they're just fiddling with a little. But I think Thomas is really interesting. Oh, I do too, and I think it's a lock he makes the team. Uh, of course, rookie linebacker, Florida State, undrafted free agent. And assuming he makes the team, at what's his role going to be? 
They hesitate to use guys like that much, but I think he's been their best inside backer throughout the preseason. Certainly the most athletic, certainly the guy with the highest upside. Um, if everything hits with him, and I do think he's a work in progress. You know where you know what Bostic is, you absolutely know what Williams is, and in the end, that collectively probably isn't quite good enough, or it scratches that you know right at that line. Where Thomas, to me, he's going to be closer to those strong safeties that we talked about in terms of athleticism, range, a great body type against tight ends. You know that, that's a that's been a real problem for this defense of late the last couple of years is defending tight ends. I think Davis was drafted to do that, and now he's going to be taken away from that role. Um, I think that you know the, Thomas could be the eventual answer there or part of it. We're talking to our football guru, Matt Williamson, here on 105.9 The X. Matt, how'd the offense look against Tennessee, and how'd Ben look? It, it wasn't a great night on that side of the ball in general, was it? Well, I mean, kind of like we talked about the pass rush, what really stood out to me in a positive way was the pass protection. I thought their protection was exceptional, start to finish, basically, especially in the you know when the ones were out there. That was great to see. Um, frankly, I thought Ben looked rusty. I mean, he made a great throw on the touchdown to Hunter, but there was probably five or six passes that if you asked them today, you would say, I should have completed them. You know, I had open receivers. I just missed them. And that's fine. I mean, I'm not worried about him by any stretch. I mean, it's the first he's played in a while. But I didn't think he had his best night. Are the Steelers worried about Antonio Brown's quad injury? And isn't it odd that right now he's basically working on, under the supervision of James Harrison at a gym in Wexford? <laughs> I didn't know that little nugget. but Oh, yeah, he's I training don't... with Harrison at this place in Wexford as opposed to the facility. Okay. I mean, I'm actually on my way to the facility now. I'll dig around on that. Um, that's a little odd. But I don't think they're worried about it, no. I mean, I don't think this trade is by any means indicative of that situation I just think that they've been keeping him in bubble wrap, and you know he's too important. And I, I do think that he can be disruptive, you know, whenever he's idle. And I think that's why they shipped him out of camp, a, you know, a couple of weeks ago, just to send him you know, instead of you know, dancing around and signing autographs, you know, and to keep him keep him somewhere else and less disruptive. Not that he's doing anything wrong, um, but no, I'm not concerned about it at all. I mean, he kind of beats to his own drummer, that's for sure. Do so you think he'll be there week one? Yes, I do. What about Burnett and Hilton and their injuries? Um, I don't know much about the Hilton one. Again, I'll probably find out here in about ten minutes. I don't. I'm not concerned all that much about Burnett. I am a little worried about McDonald, and I want to hear more about this Washington uh, Ab situation too because he went out pretty quickly. And that's a tricky injury, that Ab injury, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, they generally are. Maybe it's much to do about nothing, but it's an easy one. It's a hard one to heal because everything you do, you use your ab muscle. Now, it's not too early to talk about Lev Bell showing up because it shouldn't be too much longer, uh, certainly after the last preseason game. When Bell shows up, does he become a workhorse right away? Does he get a ton of touches in week one? I'm curious about that, too, because nine out of ten times I would answer that question, oh, yeah, of course, that's Tomlin's history, that's Bell's history, he's the best player, but... After watching that week three game, I felt like they schemed their offense with Connor as if he were Lev Bell. You know, he was detached a lot, lined up as a receiver a lot, and I think Connor has earned the right to 
you know, infringe upon Bell's touches, especially early on when Bell's a little rusty. So I'm kind of hoping it's not a 50-50 split, but I'm hoping it's 60-40 in Bell's favor, something along those lines, and that Connors earned that. Man, I'm repeating myself, but I still say it's going to be a weird dynamic with Bell this year with one foot out the door. It won't be the same with that guy this year. Probably not, and probably even more so than last year. Um, I could definitely see that. And, and I do think that one of the encouraging things, though, is Connor looked better, and I think they're trying to bring Samuels along. I think the last game showed us those two things. But Bell's got a lot to play for, and it will be an interesting dynamic when he shows up. There's no doubt. What if he starts rebelling against getting 300-some touches to preserve himself for free agency? Can you see that? I don't know. Um Maybe. I mean, maybe. I mean, he's gotten some bad advice over the last couple of years for sure. Maybe those same people are telling him, hey, you know, you keep getting this kind of workload, you're not going to get as big a payday. And they're probably right. And to me, that's a detracting factor about him as he has really little tr- – I mean, the tread off the tires is coming off rapidly. But, I mean, it's always been his role. He's always craved the ball. I mean, and the, in the reality – who cares? I mean, you, you know, feed it to him anyway. Now, as you mentioned, Connors had a decent preseason. I thought he came back to earth against Tennessee running the ball, but he still did good catching it. Samuels did okay. Maybe the Steelers finally have decent depth at running back, Matt. Yeah, and I actually am pretty high on Ridley, too, who they have not utilized the last two games. I think they just know who he is. I'm not sure if he makes the team or not, but I kind of think he will. Um, so, yeah, I was very worried about that situation a month or two ago, and now I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying any of those guys are Bell's replacement long-term for next year or anything along those lines. But if Bell were to miss time or, you know, a month or so, I don't think the running back position would be an area of concern. Matt, this isn't a hard roster to pick, but has anybody unexpectedly played his way into more playing time than had been anticipated? Thomas, who we mentioned. Um, McCullers. Uh, although he didn't play at all this past game from what I saw. I need to double-check on that, but didn't play much. But I think he flashed enough to be in the mix. Um, Matikiewicz, to me, has done the opposite, has, has proven that he can't be on the defense. I mean, if he's a great special teamer, fine, but uh, he's kind of played himself to the point where I would never put him out on defense no matter what. Uh, that's about it, I guess. I guess Chooks. I mean, Chooks, to me, he got some snaps as that sixth offensive lineman a package they like to use. They used it with Hubbard before, and I think he keeps passing every test. Does week one at Cleveland scare you at all right now? A little bit. It's kind of their Super Bowl. They're a very talented team now, or a much more talented team now, but I think they're extremely poorly coached. (laughs) Well, uh, I'm not sure Hard Knocks has done anything to, to dissuade that, but I do think they're a lot better and I think, you know, like last year, the Steelers may go up there and underestimate the Browns. It's possible. And a guy like Ben, Brown, Bell could all have obvious rust and, or Watt. You know, there's a lot of guys on this team. Most of the guys on the team have not played a 60-minute game. You know, is fatigue a factor? Although it doesn't look like the, the Browns are doing a whole lot of conditioning after practice either. Um, I, I hear you. I mean, it is a little bit of a scary game. There's no doubt about it. I just think the Steelers are still far superior, and I trust their coaching staff a great deal more. Matt, as always, great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Thanks.
That's Matt Williamson, our football guru. You can hear him on Steelers Nation Radio, and you can check him out also at mattwilliamsonfootball.com. We got Mark Caballi talking more football at 5.30. By the way, here's that official Switzer deal that was announced while Matt was on. The Oakland Raiders get a 2019 fifth-round pick for Switzer and a 2019 sixth-round pick. So the Steelers get a receiver and flop down one round in the 2019 draft. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. Mentioned a moment ago, Ramon Foster returned to practice today. TJ Watt also returned to practice. So hopefully the Steelers are building toward being, if not 100%, pretty close to it by the time week one rolls around and the opener at Cleveland. Uh, As I mentioned a moment ago, Odell Beckham Jr. got a five-year contract extension. Five years, $95 million with $65 million of that guaranteed. OBJ is getting $46 more million guaranteed than Antonio Brown is. I bet that has Antonio Brown a little cheesed off. And it has our buddy Stephen A. Smith of ESPN a little cheesed off as well. He said, and I quote, I'm happy OBJ got his money, all of it. He deserves it. But that means Antonio Brown deserves more because he's the wide receiver who should have the tag as highest paid receiver in the game, unquote. Amen to that. There is just no way to disagree with that. Uh, Tiger Woods got asked about Donald Trump, and Tiger didn't criticize him. Tiger said, quote, you have to respect the office of the president, unquote. Now Tiger's getting skewered for not being woke. And I'm actually on Tiger's side with this one. No one is under any obligation to jump into the American cesspool that is political discussion. Tiger didn't, and I give him a lot of credit for that. But he's still never going to win another major. Uh, Tiger doesn't identify as black. He said that many times. If you're waiting for him to push the black agenda, you're going to be stuck waiting quite a while. Tiger pushes the Tiger agenda. Uh, Tom Brady has a weekly segment on Boston Radio. W-E-E-I, all those pissants that used to give me a problem. The drunk and the... And, uh, well, I can't make fun of the other thing. I could, but I'm not going to. And in January, Brady hung up on the show because a host had called Brady's daughter, quote, an annoying little pissant. And now today, Brady hung up on the show because he got asked a bunch of questions about his personal trainer, that Alex Guerrero who had been kicked to the curb by Patriots management, but is now back on the team plane and back at Patriots headquarters because Brady runs that team and not Bill Belichick. Uh, Brady said on the radio show he didn't want to talk about Guerrero, but the host persisted, that idiot Minahane, so Brady hung up. Let's look at this realistically. You have Brady as a weekly guest, which is ratings gold. Prestigious. Why would you piss him off? 
You don't have to throw them softballs. But it's not the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody listening to that show cares about that Guerrero guy. They just want to hear from Tom Brady. And WEEI, not once, but twice now, has put that in jeopardy. 412-333-9939. In just a moment, we're going to talk about diverse stuff like Steph Curry's kids and Serena Williams wanting to wear a cat suit. I'm Mark Madden, 1059 The X.